Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. Thank Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This is a podcast where you get to learn more about your friends and community, their wisdom, their trials and tribulations, timeless insights and their secrets. Now, let's get into the show. Please welcome your host, Cal Aras. Hello, uh, folks, and welcome to another episode of Wisdom of Friends show. I'm your host, Cal Aras, and today I'm really delighted and excited to be introducing you to a good friend of mine. Her name is Carla Cross. Now, Carla Cross and Company has been providing real estate coaching, training, resources, and presentations to real estate agents and managers for almost two decades. Carla comes to the field from a related profession, music. She actually started selling homes to help her husband in the business, and she found that she loved it. Because Carla comes from a background in music, she knew that a piecemeal approach does not result in better performance. Because by the time you start piecing those bits together, you could be out of business. Carla has played piano since she was four years old and added the flute when she was 12. She played her way through high school and earned most of her college and graduate school tuition by playing music. Friends, in this episode, Carla and I talk about her love of music, how she applied that knowledge of music to the real estate profession to become really successful, and the importance of grit in life, how to overcome obstacles to really achieve your goals, and the most important skill that you need to succeed at the highest levels. So friends, I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. So without further ado, let's welcome the one and only Carla Cross. So good evening, uh, Carla. Welcome to the Wisdom of Friends show. Let me start off by saying how we met. We met uh, almost a year ago at the NSA Speakers event in Seattle, not too long ago. And uh, what fascinated me about you is you did a presentation at the ProTrack event and and you shared your experience, this magnificent experience you've had with your real estate career and as an NSA president. And that was so amazing that I knew having you come on the show and share your wisdom would be a delight for my audience. So uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. I loved it. I love your questions. They're not things that people usually ask. I appreciate that. So Carla, one of the ways we kick off our show is by asking our guest a simple yet profound question. And that is, what's your favorite quotation or philosophy that you live by? And how have you applied it to your life? Well, the one that pops into my mind, and some of you remember the little golden book of quotes or something like that. And uh, it, it is it is just a can't remember who wrote this, but somebody told me the other day, but it's, the world is so full of a number of things, we sh- all should be as happy as kings. In other words, to, to look for the possibilities, um, I think so many times, you know, in business especially, we, um, we go, oh, I missed that, and it's, you know, whatever. But at least in America, there's always something we can do. And actually, I, I want to say something about that because, uh, Cal, too, you were saying that we're going to talk about my background. You know, my background is a closely related field to uh, real estate and music, and everybody likes how. But music, get, as a performer especially, it gives you all the disciplines you need to apply in, in, in any field. Yes. And um, 
when when I said that quote, what I thought of was um, as uh, oh about starting in eighth grade as a classical pianist, uh, we played in these competitions um, where we would play actually for a college professor, and we had to play one. Or, or about five different eras of music, and they'd stop you every once in a while, and of course you had to know what they were looking for. Well, some of those people, uh, and weren't adjudicators, weren't just college professors, they were sometimes what they would say were be failed concert pianists. And I remember some of them struck me because they acted so negatively about what they were doing. And yet what they were doing was developing performers, mm. which is a lot more long-lasting impact than playing a concert. But they had their hearts set on one thing. And if they couldn't do that one thing, they thought they were a dismal failure. Wow. Uh, so, so when I, when I, I guess I love that quote because as a musician too, um, from a very early age, I played by ear. So I played pop music. I played jazz. I accompanied everybody and their brother. I accompanied ballet in grade school and high school. So I had probably as wide a musical experience as you could find. I worked my way through college and graduate school playing in bars. <laughs> this experience and a half. But, but through all of this, I learned to, to play all these different styles because I never wanted to be one of those people that said, I'm a failure because I'm not in that little narrow whatever Niche, it was. Yeah. No, no. So I, I think that applies to anything we do. Right. Sometimes we get in the wrong job and we think we're a failure, but it's really it's just the wrong job for us. Yes. And we need to to kind of find I don't mean to just give up on everything, but to find how to either make that job work in the way you can do it or go into something that's Kind of like, well, I knew I never wanted to be a classical pianist. I love to play jazz. But I had to go through music school uh, to get that technique and to get that background so that I could do lots of different things. That's such a great point, uh, Carla. So that brings up another question, too, for me is, if somebody is not aligned with the work they're doing, and as you mentioned that they should find something that is more in tune with who they are and what they love to do, mm-hmm. how can they go find out what are they meant to do? Because there's so many options today out there, and it's really <laughs> takes something for somebody to find out what they're passionate about. So what would be your suggestion for people who might be in that kind of uh, conversation, try to find out what they uh, are really meant to do? Sure. Um, well, one of the things is uh, to to do something that is in harmony with your behavioral style or profile. So, a lot of you listening are familiar with a DISC or disc profile, yeah, yes, Briggs, yes. whatever it is, Meyer Briggs, yeah. yes. Uh, and there there are there are a gazillion of them. Some of them are really good. And some of them are pretty cheesy, actually. Yes. So, but. Take take two or three of those and and try to take a good one. Don't take those freebies online because they're more of a come on for other things. But take a, a good DISC or something else because it will it will tell you at least the 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 style of work you'd be happy with. Yes. Um, like you know, being in real estate for a long time, everybody and their brother when the market's good thinks they can sell real estate and they'd like it. Mm. Well, people who like tasks 
like figures, like numbers, like working by themselves, like technology only. Yes. They like to sit in a room by themselves. They're going to hate selling real estate because selling real estate is working with people. Yes. First. I mean, all that other stuff, the technology and all that, is a support. Terrific. Yeah, well. Yes. But people get into the wrong field because they don't understand what the field requires. Right. So one of the things I highly suggest is to take one of those profiles that has a really great interpretation. Mm. Um, in my coaching company, we use Michael Abelson's disc, and you guys can find Abelson online if you want to. A B E L S O N. There's a he does a great interpretation, about twenty pages, and there are there are several really good ones. So do that for one thing. The other thing is, <clears throat> you used a word that I have a little trouble with. It's passion, mm. because I heard a leading political figure say the other day, "Oh." People should just work a couple, three days a week and follow their passion. Which unfortunately tends, I think, to mean dabble in something that might make you happy, but you'll never make any money. Mm. So it's important to find something that you want to get up and go to work every day for. But I'm not sure that passion is something that a lot of people have for their work and they're still happy. Uh, but I just want you guys to be careful <laughs> not to um, confuse maybe something that's a hobby that you love, but uh, maybe you love knitting, mm. but you, you probably can't turn that into money. Mm. And But maybe that's a passion. So there's a difference between, I think, um, meaningful work that, that gives you meaning versus that kind of passion we might feel um, maybe we love bowling or something. See mm. what I mean? Yes. So, so it's just just be careful that you're actually going towards something where you can be contributive and you're going to get paid for it. Right. So it's uh, so what I'm hearing you say is it's really about finding meaningful work, but it also drives the economic engine, sure. and it's not something that just a hobby or an interest that doesn't allow you to get paid for it. So yeah. and that and then suggesting, I mean, I like your suggestion about taking these professional strength finder tests so that you exactly know what kind of skill set or strengths that it's more aligned with who you are as a person mm-hmm. and what your behavior is. Right. And uh, so you can make that match between what's the need, what's the demand out there in the marketplace and what you can make a contribution to. So Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's such a great point. So uh color that brings up another question. When you look back at your life, I know you've had an amazing real estate career. You have you've been a professional speaker and you've authored a lot of books and products and services and you've really created a real estate empire if I weigh if I can say that. <laughs> but really <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. And 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 but the thing is, uh, what I'm curious about is, uh, do you recall? You know, we've all had these moments in our lives when there's been a strategic inflection point, if you will, or there's been a turning point in our career, if you will, when life was never the same again. Moment, and it just was that breakthrough success, right? So, when you look back at your life, can you recall a moment that turned everything for you? Does anything come to mind that was like that led to your successes? 
Um, not like that. Um, but what, what was curious to me, because, I, you know, I started playing piano when I was four. I was always on the stage playing piano and accompanying, and I played, started playing flute when I was in sixth or seventh grade. And so I was always, um, you know, up in front of everybody and accompanying everybody and in great orchestras and bands and all that. Um, and, and that's what I expected to do in my life in some way. Um, but then, um, when we moved to Seattle, my husband had a, a job, uh, he was a, he was a personality jock on major radio stations and he had a, a job here, but he lost it after a year. Mm. And that was during the Boeing slump. So I was teaching at a couple of community colleges, but I was about to have a baby also. So I had, you know, piano flute to students and I was teaching a couple of colleges. Um, that wasn't, it wasn't like, that was great for a life for me. It was okay, right? Mm-hmm. But then uh, Dick decided, uh, like a lot of people do when they're out of work, to go into real estate. So I followed him into real estate. Of course, he went back into radio. But I loved real estate because music, I always say nobody ever died for lack of music, but people sure did die without uh, without a, 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 a roof over their heads. Yes. So it was the difference between a kind of an artsy existence versus a, a an existence of um, what do I want to say? It, it, uh, what do I want to say? Um, uh, basic needs. Yes. And I just found that so fascinating because I I'd always dealt in making people happy through music, but they're happy, but. They don't die if they don't have it, right? Whereas in, in housing, I mean, even you might not die, but for most Americans, it's the only retirement they have. Mm. You know, it is, is in their home. Right. Moth. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I, I can't say it's a, it, you know, it was like boing because I just followed him in naively, you know, but it, Boy, right from the beginning, I just found this so fascinating. Plus, music was so, well, I wouldn't say it was easy from the perspective of having to practice a lot to be a classical pianist and flutist, but at least I knew it. I mean, you know, from the time I was four, mm. um, it was just me. Mm. And now I'm in something that's business and that I really had, I just, it was difficult for me to get a grasp on it, I could not see the um, uh, how how music and business align. Now I do, and I now I can see. Or it took me a couple three years actually, but to see that the disciplines that I developed in music are are just the same disciplines that you apply to learning anything. Mm. You, know, you have to have tenacity. You have to have um, you have to let yourself start badly. And you know, as adults, we don't want to start bad at anything. Yes. We we want to start. And be the best because we don't want to show anybody that we start bad. But the only way to get good is to start bad. Yes, that's so, such a good point. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I, I found felt that a great challenge. Um, even though I found it, and I just worked my little heart out. Um, and then when I went to a large company after two years, 
I found out like I was in the top 10 out of 400 agents in the company. Wow. And I had no idea. Mm. I was just trying to make a living. Mm. But, but that would, you know, that, that I can't say was that boing, you know, that point, but it was, it was kind of a, just went into it to help my husband and then found out that that was something that I loved to do. And then, um, I started, uh, the company I was with started a training school. At that time, there was really no training for real estate agents. So they asked me, I was an agent, and they said, would you like to teach in it? And I, you know, taught as a piano and food yeah. teacher. And I thought, well, that would be kind of interesting, kind mm. of fun. So I started there. So most of the stuff I've done is just the opportunity's been there. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> no, that's 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 fantastic. Yeah, I mean, sounds like what I'm hearing you say is you were open to opportunities and you always were looking to make a difference because in your when I when I heard you share it, it, it was really about making people happy. It was either through music or it was through real estate. Mm-hmm. And you were able to contextualize it in a way that gave you meaning to the work you were doing because it seems like what you looked at was uh, most American families, I mean, their main source of retirement income is their home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's like, you know, going back to the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. if right. you will. Exactly. And uh, no, that's so great. And that brings up another question for me, Carla, is, uh, and I'm curious about is, where did you grow up? And uh, what was your childhood like? I mean, uh, what it seems like your values uh, about contribution and happiness. And so tell us about your growing up years and how did that influence uh, the work you did? <laughs> well, I'm the oldest of, of two children. My my sister is two years younger than me, and she's a high-powered attorney in San Francisco. So, and my mom was a school teacher, or but she didn't teach much after we were got, got a little older. She actually worked with my dad. Uh, my dad owned a meat pack, a small meat packing plant. Mm. So I lived out in the country, and we had, you know, uh, outside a little town in Oregon, we always had ponies. My grandfather bought me a Shetland when I was born. So we were all little tomboys. We were always outside riding ponies, and, you know, and, uh, kind of a, um, we get the city kids to come over and, and scare the heck out of them on the ponies. <laughs> we were nice little girls. And so <laughs> we never played with dolls. We were always outside. <laughs> And uh, I think my mom was like, what did I create? I created a couple monsters. Um, and, and actually, she, she, I think she felt it would be safe if I were a music teacher. But when I went into real estate and my sister became an attorney, she was just like, oh, my gosh, these are, these are professions that I just don't quite trust, you know. And it took her a long time to uh, accept that what we did mm. was good mm. you know um but yeah from the very early age my sister and i were outside riding horses she even more than i and uh we both were musicians she's a wonderful oboist and uh when we were little we uh played oh a bunch of you know we played for church we played for talent shows was my sister and i she played the mandolin and we sang and you know all that kind of stuff so i would we were on the stage you know, from a very early age. Not that my mom pushed us, she didn't. It was just something we did. Mm. You know, we were both mm. talented like that, and we just did it. Mm. Um, and then, uh, so uh, I was really lucky um, in um, taking piano. Um, 
my best friend and I, that when I just visited Palm Beach, in fact, um, she and I used to play two piano duets, and she and I got accepted as piano students uh, with our college teacher when we were still in high school. So, And we also went to summer band sessions uh, all through high school. So I was really fortunate to get great teachers. I got to play in the university band, um, even in high school. Um, we both played also in Salem Junior Symphony and traveled all over. So I got to be with really fine musicians. Mm. And the other thing that I did from an early age was, I mentioned this too, I played for ballet classes from about eighth grade on. Um, well, for three or four years. I also played for church and all the companies. But what that taught me was, too, that uh, it taught me to work and it taught me to be around adults and it taught me to meet the standards. Yes. You know, all that stuff when I was only 12 or 13 years old. Wow. That's so, fascinating. Um, and and when I'm interviewing um, potential real estate agents or managers, one question I always ask is, when did you get your first job? Mm. And all the successful people I've ever met started working at something, whether it was mowing lawns or, you know, something they got paid for when they were 12 or 13 years old. Wow. But if somebody says, oh, you know, I'm 28 and I, I live at home and I haven't really worked, but I think I'd like to sell real estate, there is no way that they're, that they have the self-discipline. Mm. And they don't have the learning ability, and they're not willing yes. to follow. You know, let me be the leader, and they follow. Yes. So that's and and for you listening, that and those those questions are called past based questions, behavioral predictors. And you always want to pa- ask past based questions. You mean hiding, making you hiding decisions? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, not always what did you do or tell me about a time right. because that will reveal the real person just like you're talking to me yeah um and that first job you know indicates us uh, are you so you, you can't ask somebody are you self-started well you can but you're going to get a dumb answer right yeah um so you ask those kind of questions and when did you get your first job so you listening if you haven't done that go out and ask your employees tomorrow right when did you get your first job? Just just for fun. Right, And right. I think you'll see that all successful people, and also um, my dad certainly had his ups and downs, of course, in being in business for mm-hmm. himself. And I never wanted my parents to have to financially carry me. Mm. Um, so I, I took great pride in working and then mm. getting scholarships in college. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's another thing that you look for is, for a person who's not um, looking to someone else right. to provide something, and that's the only way they'd be successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like that. And and it's so important to have those kind of questions answered before you make that hiring choice because getting one of the biggest challenges with uh, companies today is having the right people in the right seats, if you will, mm-hmm. doing the right kind of work uh, that's aligned with what they want to do and what the company needs. And I mm-hmm. think asking those questions, those right kind of questions to see if it's a good fit can make a huge difference and save the company a lot of money as well. That's uh, a whole deal. It is the it's, whole deal. It's, it's so important 
Um, that in-depth interview and, you know, in real estate, a lot of people only do one interview. I don't think we really get to know the person till the second interview when mm. they're starting to relax and they're starting to be themselves. Yes. And then you can ask more in-depth questions. And also you have a chance to walk away and think, what is my impression of that person? Yes. And what didn't I ask that I should have asked? Absolutely. And then you go back in. And then you also find out the kind of questions they ask you. I just wrote a little article about uh, red flags in the interview. And, you know, big red flags are, especially in real estate, is the first thing out of their mouth is, is uh, basically, what's your commission split? Mm. Or I want a deal. Or anything like that. And it's just like, next. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's, uh, yep, questions, the kind of questions we ask gives us a quality of our lives as well as a quality mm-hmm. of opportunities that comes our way. So, uh, one of the things that, Carla, that I know you mentioned is, uh, you talk about the principles of retaining great performance, be it music or be it real estate. And one of the things you advocate is, getting an exceptional coach, uh, using the right models, grasping the best processes, and practicing perfectly and not just any kind of practice. So when you, uh, what are any mentors uh, that comes to mind that, uh, that have made an influence on you that you want to give a shout out to in your own career, your own life that has made a profound difference for you? Um, sure. Well, when you said that perfect practice, as I told you, my best friend and I were so fortunate to, to get to, um, to take piano lessons from the, the guy that became our university professor and unfortunately died in our sophomore year. Mm. So we didn't have him too long, but he taught us to practice perfectly. And for me, who played by ear and, and sight read easily, it was torture. Because, because he, he, he made you practice so slowly. Everything had to be perfect, you know. But boy, did you play well. And the reason I say that is that's, that's an attribute, I think, of any great coach of starting with where you are and helping you be better and better and better and better and not just shine you on or not beat you up. Yes. Um, I think, it's it's it, it's it's that ability to recognize um, the performance people are doing and 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 uh, uh, accentuate that and then help them enhance it. And sometimes you don't even have to handle the rest of it. Right, right. Sometimes you know. In fact, I've learned. I teach um, instructor development, uh, certifying people to teach clock art classes in mm-hmm. Washington State. And one of the things I've certainly found is. There is no such thing such as constructive criticism with an mm. adult. Anything that smacks of the negative, yes. when they have to perform, um, just shuts them right down. Right, so, right. So, speaking of, you know, mentors, one great mentor, she's been a mentor to a lot of people, and she's the most fantastic woman I've ever seen. She's the former CEO of Keller Williams Realty, and her name is Mo Anderson. Mm. She's one every kind of leadership award in the world. And uh, now Kelly Williams Realty, who I'm, uh, I'm affiliated with, is the largest uh, real estate company in the world and the most profitable of each offices. Is it of the Gary Keller fame? Is that the same yeah, company? That, yeah, uh, yeah Gary. Okay. Actually, I met Gary and Mo yeah. when they were first starting to work together. I see. And, um, yeah, and Mo was the one that really turned that whole company around. She had the guts 
to go in and actually get rid of some of the people that Gary had let uh, buy franchises. Mm-hmm. Gary mm-hmm. kind of thought, you know, he's kind of an entrepreneur, like, if I get it, you'll get it, and you get it, and so here, here, you can do it. Mo is a very deliberate person. She's she's that overachiever that a lot of women are. Mm-hmm. And so what that does for her is to make sure that it's perfect practice. And she's a musician. She used to be a music teacher. So oh, we wow. play piano jazz too. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> but she is she is one that certainly in, in, in the real estate world um, certainly comes to my mind because she is such an inspiring um, hard-working, um, determined person. Mm. That's that's amazing. Uh, the last time we spoke, Carla, uh, you know, you you recommend a lot of good books to all of us, and the last time we spoke, you mentioned uh, Grit uh, by Angela Duckworth. That yeah. is such a fascinating book, and uh, most of our listeners really enjoyed reading that book as well. Okay. So. Are, are, are there any other uh, new books that you've been reading lately that you would like to recommend for our audience? There's one I've just started reading, um, but I can't. I don't know the author now. But it call, it's called The CEO Next Door, and what it what it basic the basic um, premise is from the study that you know who we think today would be great CEOs are not this people. They become the great CEOs because kind of the model of the CEO today is different than it used to be. The kind of bombastic guy that got up there and whipped everybody up and who is a PR king and all that kind of stuff. Now they're more of the behind the scenes, hard worker types. And that's why it says the CEO next door. Mm. Now I haven't read too far into it, but I would I would suggest that since a lot of your people are executives. Yes, and and also that you know, of course that. Uh, uh, Angela Duckworth's, um, I've always called it tenacity, or you can call it guts, or whatever you want to call it, but, you know, it's that unwillingness to give up. Right, the grit. The, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The unwillingness, the tenacity of purpose, and absolutely, that's fascinating. And we'll include that in our show notes. Uh, so, moving on to another section, uh, this is a perfect segue into uh, the next section, which is these are some of the questions that we have received from our audience. And uh, so the first one, uh, Carla, I have for you is, what do you think, in your opinion, stops people from achieving their fullest potential besides fear? Well, um, I, I had a coaching class this morning. We were talking about something, and, and she said basically she thought that, um, oh, she was talking about, a guy that she employs, um, and uh, she employs site sales agents. And she said, "She said I, I think he's just afraid of success." And I think that, I, I what I've seen at least in real estate is the fear of success is as great as the fear of failure. Mm. Because, for instance, an agent said to me once, "I can't possibly work with with over two buyers at once." Mm. Well, I always work with four to six buyers. Mm. And you will find successful agents are always work with multiple buyers because you can't just work with one until you wear them out yeah. and then they buy and then you go on the next, you know, you, you, you would create, you create a peaks and valleys commission. You don't want to create that. Yes. So 
So I think that that fear of success is as great, is actually greater in some people. Every successful person I've ever known has some fear of failure. Mm. Because the fear of failure, like I, this friend of mine that I visited, you know, we were roommates in, in as freshman year in college, and you know, we were just the best friends and stuff, and we were laughing because we said we always over-prepared for every test. <laughs> we always, because we were afraid of failure. And therefore, we just worked our little hearts out to to be sure, you know, we got A's. Yes. But it was to us, it was either get an A or fail. We, we didn't see anything in between. It never occurred to us to try for a seat. Where I know as a lot of kids in college, ah, oh, just try for a seat. I was afraid to try for a seat. I thought I might get enough. <laughs> you know, so I, the fear of failure, mm. if it doesn't tie you up, if it doesn't, if it doesn't stop you. Yes. You know, and the other thing that I think is, is so important is, I used to work when I was playing jazz, work with this guy. He used to play vibes with George Shearing. Mm. And yeah, he told me how hard it was to try to follow what George was doing, you know. And George would, he didn't do the arrangements, just do whatever he wanted to do. And then Doug had to double him that he's played the same yeah. on the vibes. Mm. And Doug was terrifically talented. So we'd, you know, we did, uh, we, we, practice this thing and then we get in front of people and I go, oh, I, I don't know, I'm afraid of this. Go, straight ahead and strive for tone. <laughs> and that's what band directors tell you. <laughs> You're in junior high band. They go, all right, kids, straight ahead and strive for tone, which means start. Yes, get, get started. Don't start. Mm-hmm. You never know what's going to happen. That's such and an important point. I guess point. as a musician, I know too that, um, you know, you, you do end up sometimes faking things, but you don't really fake them because you know you know the progressions, you know the chords. So when you know the progressions and how they naturally go from one to the other, you're not faking it. You're following a system. You're following a process. <clears throat> yes. You you in people in you might you know we we might say we're faking it, but we're not. Uh, we might throw in a few notes here and there that you've never heard before, but. But we, we know, we know what the patterns are. And if right. you know the patterns, then you can fill in the rest. Yes. And I think that's part of, um, learning the patterns so that, so you can be yourself. Yes. Um, I know as speakers, you know, we, um, the first time we do, um, a talk, we're probably more tied to, I'm here, I've got to go here, I've got to go here. I mean, at least I am. Yeah. And it's hard for me to relax and communicate much with people, although I'm much better at it than I used to be. I mean, it used to be like, yeah. it was kind of like that over-preparedness. Oh, you know. Right. Uh, but you can see that in speakers, can't you? Yes. And you can also see the things that they've rehearsed that they're afraid to let go of a little bit. Yes. And then you can see the parts where they're comfortable. Right. So at least I can see that. Absolutely. It's like following a structure and like, in, and then other voices being with people and mm-hmm. speaking from the heart. Yes. And that makes such a big difference. Yes. Absolutely. I exactly know what you mean. But, but I think too, it's very important though that you follow structure. Absolutely. Because I, I say to people too, they go, um, well, just improvise. Well, you, you, improvisation without structure is, uh, is just noise. So you, you need to have structure underneath it all. 
a foundation. Um, yeah, when, yeah, when I'm speaking and I have a piano, I play three pieces, and then I ask people, well, they can name always two out of three. Yeah. Um, and I say, what's the same about it? When they never can guess, guess what? They're all the blues. Right. They're all on the blues foundation structure. Mm. But you would never know it because one was an Elvis piece, one's a one's a Beatles piece, and one's a Harry Mancini piece. Mm. So you, you, the styles are all different. You know the eras are different, but but the but the blues progressions are the same. So when you learn structure for yes. anything, whether it's speaking or whether it's music mm. um, or your business, if you mm. have structure. Then you can, that's when you can fill in yourself. Yeah. But too many people go, Oh, I don't need that. I don't want, you know, I just, I'm just going to emote. Well, again, that's kind of chaos. Yes. That's such a, such a beautiful point, uh, Carla, because it, no matter how great of a speaker you are, the best of the best practice, mm-hmm. you know, there is a saying in theater and acting <laughs> is, uh, you know, you rehearse, uh, you know, you all the effort you put in the rehearsal mm-hmm. so that you don't have to, uh, you know, it's a smooth sailing right. when you're performing. Uh, I think yes. I'm paraphrasing those, uh, that quote, but the point mm-hmm. being preparation is, uh, really That's key right. and important. They're not, they're not supposed to see all that that you did. It's supposed to, you know, when I play and people, people say, oh, it looks so easy. That's supposed to look easy. You have no idea how many hours are spent in the practice room, you know, slugging that stuff out so it looks easy. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. And some of our listeners, uh, are also speakers from NSA and Toastmasters. And you've had an incredible speaking career. You've been part of NSA, uh, for a long time now. So if you had to, distill the wisdom of the speaking portion of being an NSA member and, you know, what makes somebody a really productive and successful NSA speaking member? What would you distill it down to maybe two or three points? Uh, what would you have to say? Well, when, when you first asked me that, I thought you were asking me about NSA. So I just want to address NSA because uh, and I always tell everybody this, and especially our chapter. I'm really not familiar with other chapters except meeting people from them. But um, our chapter in NSA is 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 the most inspirational and supportive group one would ever find. And if you speakers are are, are not uh, with the chapter um, and in NSA, I I really urge you to look into it. Because that's where all the professional speakers are. When what's so interesting and different about them, and I was speaking to my coaching client today, is that they give back so much. You know, there's the kind of speaker and there's the kind of real estate agent that stays in their own little world and they just do what they do and they do well and they, they never give a hand up to anybody. Mm. In NSA, it is amazing to me, and I was telling people, uh, this my coaching client, about the caliber of people we have come to our chapter. Absolutely. Like we just had the chapter, uh, we always have the NSA president, the incoming president, speak at some time. And these people do not get paid to come and speak with us. They do it to give a hand up, to give back. Yes. And that's the big difference. So I would say one of the things about a successful speaker to me, is the person who is effusive and generous mm. with 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 whatever they have. Yes. Um, 
you know, you were, we were talking about that Kara Stiletto, who was my guest when she spoke here. And what a generous person. Um, she just gave whatever she had to us. Yes, she did. And, and, and everybody that comes actually does that. You'll never find a selfish or self-centered person. Um, so I would say a, a successful speaker is, is, is one that once they get their feet on the ground, and of course it is Maslow's hierarchy of needs at first, yes. you're just trying to survive and you, you're, you're, <laughs> you're just, you know, oh my gosh, you know, and, and, uh, the only thing I would say too is because I, I, you know, worked, uh, with the coaching group for a long time and I was actually the head of it years ago is for, for our chapter is for you people that are in it. Um, you want to also think ahead a little bit is, is what can you give too? Because you have a lot. I mean, what amazes me is, is all the businesses you come from. And I'm not sure that, that we, help you contribute that as much as we could. Because if you do, what you'll find is your confidence grows. Mm. Because you are an expert in the business you come from. You may not think you're an expert in speaking in those, you know, in the presentation skills or the marketing, but you have that great background. Right. If you contribute a little bit, you will, your confidence will grow and you'll get more back. So, I think that, the, yes, the successful speaker, I think, too, just works darn hard at it. Mm. I, you know, people, oh, I'd like to be a speaker. I I want to tell them this. And I'm like, number one, do they want to hear this? Yes. And number two, are you willing to work hard? Because mm. um, I know you, you did, Cal, in your, in your group. But, I mean, you could you could name the people that worked hard in it because you went through that coaching um What's it called? Protrack. Protrack, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you you went through it and you did the work, whereas you saw some of the people just kind of floated through and didn't do the work. They won't get anywhere because by the time they decide that they'll put their intro together, it's too late. Yes. <laughs> That's why we have you guys do all that stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so that you're ready and you won't scramble around going, oh my gosh, I got a gig, I got to get an intro. Yes. So... That that's one thing I see. The other thing I see with the successful speaker of today is not so much about them anymore. You know, it used to be the big ego bounded out on stage and screamed out everything, and so now it's much more about the facilitator, yes, and the coach, um, and the um, uh, participative nature of of what's going on, yes, much more than it used to be. So I think just even the the general aura of NSA has changed. From, as I said, the, the bounding out on stage and the big name to these people who are really imbued in, in su- really supportive roles to their businesses that they serve. Right, right. No, I like that. I think, uh, just to recap, I think the one thing that uh, you mentioned was being generous as mm-hmm. a speaker and looking at opportunities to give back to the community, to your uh, chapter if you're part of that. The second thing is like willingness to work hard and really take it on as, uh, you know, this is your, uh, you know, best chance of succeeding uh, when you have, when you're surrounded by such wonderful speakers. And, and the third thing is about uh, really, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say toning it down, but more about, as you said, conversation friendly. And it's uh, really uh, being more of a facilitator. Mm-hmm. is uh, what I'm hearing you say. Now, that's such a great point. And 
Uh, moving on to our next section, uh, which is a rapid fire round. And this is like, really, we call it a fun section, Carla, where I'm going to ask you a bunch of, uh, light, it's a lightning round, fun questions, and it's whatever comes to your mind first. I gotta tell you something. <laughs> You're asking a speaker to do lightning round. I think you ought to take this out. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think any of us, I'd like to I'll, I'll certainly, I'll, I'll certainly consider that, but I think you will, you'll definitely after like I, these. After I screwed them up. Okay, you go right in. Okay, so these are the questions. Okay. And uh, so the first question I have for you is, if you could be successful in an, any other profession than you are currently in, which would you choose? I'd be a psychologist. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Okay, that's interesting. What book have you read again and again or have re-gifted over the years? Oh, there's two of them. I always read over and over again and gift. I don't re-gift. I gift it. Uh, <laughs> Built the last successful habits of missionary, of visionary companies by Porus and Collins. To me, that's the best business book ever mm. written because... It actually defines what vision is and gives examples and shows that companies with vision throughout, not just a CEO going, look at the wall, there's my vision, but that they, they all live it, have become uh, the by far more profitable than other successful companies like them. So that's, that's number one. And the other one that I give is uh, Fred Rogers' book, and I can't remember the name of it, what's the name of it? I could go over any of it, but it's Fred Rogers' most famous book. Fred Rogers, you know, was the children's, um, he did, he did a children TV show and he was a musician and he has many wonderful analogies and some musical analogies in there. Um, so I, I give that a lot because I love the quotes in there. Is it the world according to Mr. Rogers? Yes, that's it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, and we'll include that in our show notes. Here's another question for you, Carla, and this is, if you could witness, if you could have witnessed one event in history, what would that be? Oh, boy. Oh. What event? And we could come back to it. Yeah, I don't... I don't. <laughs> I'm not really a history buff, so. Okay, so no, do you we'll, believe? We'll think of it, though. Yeah, okay, sure, absolutely. And do you believe in magic? Magic. But well, I certainly believe that there's a lot more that goes on than we see. Let's put it that way. Mm. So, from that perspective, yes. All right, great. And then, uh, who's your favorite music band as a musician? Oh, you asked me that too. <laughs> well, well, my favorite now, my favorite, my favorite jazz pianist is everybody's favorite, Oscar Peterson. Mm. And just for a band, this isn't jazz, but um, Huey Lewis and the News. Oh, and the Kingston Trio, of which one of them is my really great friend. So, those, wow, those are all that's uh, that's interesting. And then uh, here's the final question for you, and that is within the rapid fire round, and it is. If you could have any message of your choice on a billboard, what would that be? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, this isn't poetic at all, but this is what comes to mind. Work hard. It's up to you. You can do it. 
I like that. It's simple and effective. Well, the reason I said that was, too, is, is that today, unfortunately, there's too much of this, oh, I can't, or the government won't give it to me, or, or she didn't let, let me do that, or whatever it is. It, uh, to, maybe it's always been that way, but it seems to be a lot worse today. Yes. And that's why I said that, uh, well, here's the other reason, too, is, how do you, how do we feel confident and good about ourselves? Mm. We do when we perform something. Yes. Not when somebody gives us something. That may feel, you know, it's like a kid. You give them five bucks, and the next week they yeah. give them ten. Um, but we feel good when we have attempted something, and it's somewhat worked out. And I say somewhat because I'm a great believer in... Um, setting low expectations for performance at first so you do it again. Mm -hmm. If you set really high ones and you don't meet it, um, then, you know, motivation theory says, and I know this is serious, we just won't try again. Right. So, just kind of... Taking baby steps and then uh, get those uh, successes and the victories. Before you know it, you can play the whole sonata. And that's uh, that's (laughs) wonderful. That's I really like that analogy and metaphor there. Uh, So, coming back to the previous question, um, (laughs) it is... Okay, I, I've got one. Okay, okay Arthur, let's hear it. I would no, I would like to hear. Uh, I'd see Arthur Rubinstein in in concert. Oh wow! Because he's probably the most famous. I think you know the most famous pianist, maybe not of all time, but you know. Yes. And 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 I was too young ever to hear him for real. Got you. So now uh, I've got the final three questions for you, actually, and that is our final uh, section within this uh, podcast interview, Carla. And my first question to you is, uh, what is your current personal or business project that you're working on, that you're looking forward to in the next six months to a year from now? Mm-hmm. Actually, I've got three of them. <laughs> um, and and all of I could probably well. All three of these happen to be with Keller Williams Realty because my son and I own a, a, one of the market centers. But this is intensely interesting to me. There's something called profit sharing. We, we share profits with with everybody, and so a friend of mine and I are creating a series of webinars to help people profit share more. Mm. And nobody's done this. Uh, she's done a little bit. So so we're going to do that. And I have 1,900 people who contribute to my profit share checks every month. Oh, That's wow. a lot. Yes. So I have already invited them this November. In fact, when you came in, I was working on the PowerPoint. I'm going to do, or we're going to do a business planning webinar. I'm going to do, I've uh, written books on business planning. So I'm going to do just the, you know, the generic, what is it? What's, again, what's right. the structure? And then how to build in part of it for profit sharing for yourself right. so you can create that. So that's number one. And number two, I'm going to create a, a um, overview of the culture of Keller Williams because I don't think we do a great job when people come in of un- really understanding mm. what how different that culture is. And right. it's very different. Like a orientation, if you will. Yes. yes. Yeah, we do the orientation so far as you know, all the check-in and all right. that. But we don't do... The, the culture and values. We, we, we actually, we of course do it in the interview and we do it in the courses, but I want to do it just about an hour 
where you know people are there and they're all excited, yes. but they may not know what they're excited about. Right. They may not know why are people so friendly? Why do they want to help? Well, that's part of the culture and value system. Right. So that's that's number two. What's the third one I'm working on? Can't remember. Are you writing? Any, anyway. uh, yeah, I mean, you've been a prolific writer, and uh, you know, you've created so many products. Any other product or book that you're working on at this point? No, because I just finished. You know, my big ideas of a little book. <laughs> and today, today, I was talking to my coaching client about it. She goes, she goes, oh yeah, I've got that one. Do you have another one? I go, no, Jenny, I just finished this. <laughs> No, I'm going to get the, as I said, I've got those two things. Um, oh, the other thing that I'm working on, yes, with, with the group is uh, orient, actually the orientation to mm. itself, and we need to involve more people. We've got a yes. pretty good win, but um, so I'm working with that in a, in a group. So I wanted, th- those things need to be done in the next couple of months. Yes. And then I'm going to just take a look and see what what I want to do. Um, yes. But I, I, I want to, I want to support my son, and you know I can do that and not get in their way. So that's good. So far as another book, if I write another book, um, I, I've had the outline of a book on coaching, um, for a long time, and I haven't done anything with it. But the, the way it would, you know, there are lots of books on coaching. But the way it would be different, it would come from the perspective of how we've been talking, mm. because I was coached by fantastic, um. Flute, flutist and, and, and pianist. Mm-hmm. And the way you coach high performance there is exactly the same way you coach high performance in business. So I want to translate what I know works. In music. In, yeah. Correct. In, into, into business. That's, that's fascinating. So, I can't wait to, uh, read and find out more about that because, uh, you know, what you would be sharing is really, uh, taking best practices mm-hmm. from one domain right. and transferring it to a whole other domain. And, and I think you know what? I'm laughing now because I opened my big fat mouth and said I would do it. Now you're going to call me in three months and you're going to say, how's that coming? <laughs> yes, Carla, how's that book coming? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> when, I, when can I get a signed copy that's of that? Right, yeah. And oh, so my next yeah. question to you is, uh, what are three things you are grateful for in life? Well, you know, you ask about my upbringing. I'm sure grateful for my parents and my mom and dad. My mom schlepped us to all those lessons. I mean, I took flute lessons 90 miles away, 50 miles away, um, piano 40 miles away, 50 miles away, you know, and she took us and then, and we both played in Salem Junior Symphony and every Thursday night she'd take us, you know, she, and she worked full time. And she was PTA press. I mean, we don't even know how that woman did it, right? Uh, so I'm, I'm so grateful for, for parents because as I've grown up, I've seen so many parents who just, I don't know, they kind of think that if they give the kid shelter and something to eat and then discipline once in a while, it's all over. But that, that helping the child develop interests and develop something they're good at. Mm is the foundation, I think, for success in life. So I'm very grateful for that. I told you I'm, I'm very grateful for um, all the mentors I've had. Boy, have I had some fantastic mentors. And when you're a kid, you just kind of take it for granted. 
you know, but my, my band director got me my great flute and, um, taught me, you know, private lessons, uh, when he didn't have to do that. You, you know, in other words, yeah. he just said, okay, this girl's got talent. I'm going to get her into this. I'm going to do this. You know, I just took it for granted. Mm. But then as I've grown up, I'm like, wow, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. so those are all, all my, you know, all those, those teachers I'm, I'm very grateful for. And I'm even very grateful for some of the people in real estate that I've worked for who Show me now what not to do. <laughs> no, you know, truly, if yes, you look yes. at when you're, if you can get a couple steps back in your situation and look at it, even when you're unhappy, and you say, okay, if if I become a manager, a leader, whatever, I I won't do it this way. I may not know, know right now how I will do it, but but I won't do it this way. Right. And then, as soon as you can, of course, you go, I will do it this way. So, I think in your life, you have to have positive, and you also have to have experiences that, that show you what you don't want. That did not work out well, so yeah. you can learn from it. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, because, uh, as I said, if, if, if all of them are positive and everybody's nice to you and all that, I don't think you learn so much. You don't learn so much, and then it could all get boring as well, because then everything is just, uh, you know... Uh, happy and happy and everywhere you go. But, you know, those challenges definitely help you shape your character and, oh, yeah. and, uh, you know, toughen oh, yeah. you up. So, no, that's, well, that's such probably, a good point. That's probably, uh, yes. Yes. You don't get bored when you're, when you're trying to figure out how do, how do I work with this? Yes, absolutely. Right. That's, that's such a good point. So I want to acknowledge you, Carla, for a couple of things. I mean, you're, you're one of the giving souls I've met at the NSA. You're so generous with your time, your wisdom, and uh, and I so much appreciate the fact that, you know, your contribution to everything that you're doing is has the foundation of making other people happy, be it music, through music, or real estate, or all the products and services you're creating. It's really a mark of creativity and uh, applying your... Uh, lessons that you've learned from different domains and bringing it all together so people can really uh, up their uh, performance levels. So I'm so grateful uh, that uh, you were, you know, willing to open up and share your wisdom with us. So thank you so much for that. Oh, you're welcome. It was my pleasure. And uh, one final question, and this is how we wrap up all our interviews, and that is uh, why do you think people should listen to the Wisdom of Friends? Just because of all the kinds of things that you're going to learn, and you've told me a little bit about your listeners, and they're um, they're they're really uh, what do I say engaged, and they're interested in in all this. So I think you know I learned that from my mom too that um, that it, it it's best if you're a lifelong learner that it it. it if if you keep learning, I don't. You, your body might get old, but you don't get old. Mm-hmm. So, I I really give kudos to all you listening, um, because you're 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 anxious and you're willing to take a look maybe outside your field, which which as I found too is so refreshing. Yes. When I get outside the music or I get outside the real estate, it's like oh that's a different way to look at it. So I, I do appreciate that. And I appreciate you, Cal. You're, you're doing a great job. And Thank you. This is a, 
I think you're doing a great service, and your questions are uh, illuminating and sometimes difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it would be boring, right? That's, you say. Right. that's true. <laughs> and that's one thing we don't want to be. <laughs> so again, uh, Carla, this was wonderful, and uh, you know, this is uh, just I appreciated uh, you taking the time, and I enjoyed our conversation. And for everybody listening, with that, we'll wrap it up. And if you like what you heard, please share. Don't be shy. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom of Friends show with Carla Ras. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to wisdomoffriends.net to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. We hope you'll pass along our web address, wisdomoffriends.net, to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archive section on the website for previous episodes and subscribe on iTunes, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. This has been a Seven Symphonies production Join us next time for another edition of The Wisdom of Friends.